This is the Marketing Podcast Network. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Stories influence, teach, and inspire us. But what about the storytellers who create them? Uncorking a Story profiles storytellers to uncover how their background and life experiences influence the stories they create. We learn what motivates them, their path to success, and what fuels them to keep creating. It all starts by asking one simple question. Where does your story begin? Welcome to Uncorking a Story. Now here's your host, Mike Carlin. Well, hello and welcome to Uncorking a Story. I'm your host, Mike Carlin, and today I'm excited to introduce you to Michelle Ronaldo Ferguson. Michelle is a corporate executive, a serial mentor, and the author of Women Mentoring Women. Welcome to Uncorking a Story, Michelle. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here. Oh, well, there's a, just a lot to unpack in, a very, in that very brief sentence I just wrote, but um, I'm curious, uh, where does your story as an author begin, Michelle? I'm um, a person who has said for ages that everybody has a book in them uh, and did very little to act on that until June of 2021. I met with a friend of mine who is a soon-to-be author, and uh, she had plans to write a, a book about this organization that we're both part of, Chief. Um, and she decided to write something else and then said to me, um, but the book needs to be written and you should write it. <laughs> so it started at a lunch. Um, and like I said, I always had it in the back of my mind that I would write something. Uh, I think it's a testament to taking guidance and input from people who aren't like you. I'm a finance and ops gal. Finance and ops people would never suggest that I write a book. Another <laughs> author would suggest I write a book. So I will infinitely uh, forever be grateful to Sundia Jane Patel um, for just setting me up. And she was, she and another colleague were do a, doing a program, um, book creators with Eric Koster out of Georgetown. Um, so as a, I've never written besides what anybody writes, had never published anything. Um, so I needed the program to give me like to learn how to write, um, a book as opposed to writing an email or doing a presentation. So, um, it was a little little frightened at times, um, uh, learned about grammar, <laughs> uh, and uh, the program was really helpful. And, um, you know, it's definitely something that takes a village. I was getting support from people in a lot of ways. I'm also not a marketer, so I had to market my own book. Um, so have learned a lot in the last uh, 18 months about writing and publishing. And yeah. I've, worked in, I've worked in publishing. Um, yeah. It was interesting to see it from the author's side. It's interesting. A lot of people tell me that they thought writing was the hard part until they had to start marketing it. And then it's uh, then you realize that it's uh, maybe not hard or easy, but just different. It's a different part of the, uh, the process. But well, tell me a little bit about what the book is about and why, you know, your your colleague suggested that you should be the one to write this book. So as I said, you know, I started one place and pivoted a couple of times. Um, so I pivoted to specifically 
uh, about Chief to women's networks in general and the power of women's networks, which I certainly believe in. And then, you know, somewhat out of the blue, I received a text from uh, a mentee that I was matched with in 2004. So we've had an on and off relationship for 18 years. Um, and uh, Gaina uh, sent me an announcement that she had been named board chair for the uh, Development Foundation at Jackson State University, her alma mater. Um, and I remember like just feeling, I, I still get goosebumps, like very proud and realizing it's something we've talked about on and off, right? This is a goal of hers from 18 years ago, right? To just do more philanthropic work to get on the board and then to be appointed chair. And um, so I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm going to target in, like, I I've learned so much from mentoring and gotten so much out of it um, that I I'm going to talk about I'm going to write about mentoring. And it actually got easier when I switched to um, mentoring because I had a lot, I, I had co-founded a program. So I had not only my stories, uh, but in the program, we would solicit feedback from mentors and mentees. So I had what I'd learned in my feedback and feedback from hundreds of other people. Uh, and then, you know, so it was, I was going to write about mentoring and I had to find a niche and Eric, who I mentioned who runs the program, uh, wanted, so, you know, I was coming from this angle that everybody thinks mentoring is all about the mentee. And I learned a, a lot um, and then sort of learned to be more strategic in my mentoring so I could learn even more and then help even more. And so Eric wanted me to write about selfish mentoring. And there is a chapter of selfish mentoring. He's like, it's, no one's written about that. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if that's a book that needs to be written. So I went down that path. And then again, was speaking to another friend of mine who said like, are you kidding me? you are all about women supporting other women. Like that's what you need to write about. And she was true. She was right. And I think another there again, like there was what I wanted to write about. And then there's what the market needed and wanted. And I didn't, couldn't get that from me. I got that from other people. Yeah. Well, tell me, I mean, in terms of uh, being a mentor, like when did mentoring enter your life? Oh. Um, tell me a little bit about that story. So, so it's interesting. Um, I, I spent most of my career at McGraw-Hale Standard and Poor's and we had a program and we were mentoring high school students. Um, and, you know, th that's that was the only formal mentoring program I'd ever been involved with. And that's got to be 25 years ago, a, a long time ago. And I'd been mentoring informally, but hadn't done anything formal. Um, and... I agreed to, I, I founded the first employee resource group at McGraw-Hale Standard and Poor's, which was a women's group. And at our kickoff event, you know, we were going to do breakouts on different subjects. And I honestly drew this short straw and got mentoring. But I also kind of liked it because it was the most solid, you know, I'm an ops person. Um, and so in 2004, we had our first conference and we agreed that we were going to launch a program in six months with my, which my boss, the then C, the CHRO, like kind of laughed at me about launching a program in uh, six months. Uh, and we did it. We uh, launched the first program in July of third of uh, 2003 with 50 partners from, I think it was the U S and uh, uh, London. Uh, we had so much demand that we, I think nine months later launched the second phase of it. And then we're doing two to three phases a year with 100 partnerships in each. Uh, couldn't, couldn't keep up with our demand um, from both the mentors and the mentees. I think the most shocking thing is that 
uh, you know, we would have this online sign up and launch it at 11 o'clock in the morning. In the first couple of phases, the mentee pool would fill up in three minutes. And then very soon the mentor pool did too. And when we asked, you know, the mentors, we asked, asked both what motivated them to be in the program. You know, most first time mentee, mentors would say something like, I had a mentor, I want to give back, you know, something very, you know, philanthropic. And, and then when we got them back, it was like, I actually learned a lot, right? And I, you know, a good mentor is a is a learner. And it's so it, the motivation shifted a little bit, right? From being just, oh, I just want to help someone else. It's like, well, I could do something for my own development. And whether that's learning about a different culture or a different function or a different industry. I know that was certainly the case for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes we go into situations and I, I notice this in volunteer in capacities, right? Where I go and volunteer, do a day of like Habitat for Humanity or something. And think about it as me helping someone else. But what I walk away with is typically something much more personal for me. And that might be even selfish, but it's something that I take away as, as a benefit. It sounds like when you're mentoring somebody, um, you're receiving benefits, not just the, the mentee. Right, right. And you know what? And that's sort of like a win-win because, you know, mentees, right? They, they may be at a stage of their career that it's all about them, right? They're an individual career contributor. And sooner or later, if they rise, you know, rise in the ranks, it's going to have to be about developing other people. So it sort of also gives them the practice of being concerned about another person's development. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mentor a lot of uh, aspiring authors. Um, and there's a few that I'm just coming to mind right now, just kind of walking them through the the book writing process, you know, from, you know, sketching out an outline of of the story, yeah. you know, all the way through kind of writing, editing, um, submission, querying agents, all that stuff. Um, and I, I learn, I mean, myself, I learn, you know, things that I wasn't really aware of, you know, I like, I like to think that I have all the answers, but I don't. Um, but it is interesting how that works. And, and I mean, you, you've been so motivated, you know, by this to, to even write a book about it. I'm, I'm curious, what did you learn about yourself while writing this book? Well, the first thing I learned is I could write, <laughs> like I was carrying on this old, you know, and I, you know, I, I, I did well in, you know, academically through, you know, high school, college, and I guess I had English and writing classes. I, I didn't do. I I, I might have done business writing in business school, but I, I like I. You you hold these like very long ago scars that I remember at one point, um, offering to write for the the for the uh, the high school newspaper, and basically they like tore it apart. Like I wrote one article, and they were so brutal. It's like. I actually know how to, like, I can write to communicate. Maybe, like, I certainly, I actually found the revision process easier than most. Because if my if my editor said I needed to change something, I changed it. Like, yeah. I'm generally good at getting feedback, but it's like, she knows more than I do. So it's not that I couldn't take feedback, but they were like, they were like, right in high school, the 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 RT, the, you know, the writers, and then there were the math and science nerds. So I was a math and science nerd. So the first is that I, that I could write and that I could do it. Um, you know, because I'm pretty good at putting my mind to something and doing it and, right, looked, I mean, one of my goals was to learn something. Um, again, re-emphasize re the importance of community. Um, you know, often we think of writers as someone who goes and sits on an island. Uh, certainly the community I had around me, both in the program I was in and some friends 
who we had a little writing circle at one point, we actually physically got together one day a week to write. Um, so that you know, reemphasizing the importance of community and that I could actually do marketing. Because yes. <laughs> I think we like we say like we can't do things and it's like, maybe I need some help, but I can actually do it. So yeah. I, I do want to talk about the importance of community um, and this program that you were a part of, because I'm, I'm curious about it. And, and you're right, a lot of times, like the conventional thinking is that an author goes off by themselves, they write something, and then it's brilliant and it gets published. And, you know, I, I've been doing this long enough to know that, that just doesn't happen. Um, tell me from your point of view, the importance of community and this program that you were part of. So right, the whole thing started with community, right? The woman who suggested was was part of a community with me, right? And, um, you know, even in our weekly Zooms, right, there'd be times they put us in breakouts to discuss something in a smaller group of people, right? And we supported each other. You know, I wrote nonfiction business. So um, I did a lot of my marketing through LinkedIn and the people in the community, you know, both the, the writer's program and this network chief, right? They supported me in commenting on my posts and sharing my post, right? To get my LinkedIn visibility up. And I think when I did my my pre-order campaign, 60% of my pre-orders came for, from LinkedIn, right? So that was, that was an important um, avenue for me. So having the support there, part of it is like, there's times it just there are times you don't want to do it, right? Sometimes like, this needs to be done. I don't want to change this. I don't want to do this video. But just having people around to like, you know, who were going through it, who understand when it seemed crazy that people are like, there's a reason for it. Like, just follow the plan. Just yeah. if I had some people who'd been in the program before that I connected with, then, you know, certainly when time to, came to to actually do that, when the book was published and for sales, I know that it, it, there is very few people well, it's not in, it's only in one bookstore, um, but very few people are going to buy my book if they see it on a shelf or they find it on Amazon. Most people are going to buy my book because someone else, it's, that's just what it is, right? Someone right. else suggested it. Right. I, mean, I, I was, I was at, um, just went to visit some friends on Saturday and they told me they met somebody who like purchased my book. It's like, how? <laughs> like, like and it, they said it was hand signed, which meant it was one, it was either part of my pre-order campaign or a book signing at Notre Dame, right? It's like, it's like, how did this guy, like, I'm just, I'd be interested to know how he found it because it's not right. some, he's not somebody I know. Did you go to Notre Dame? I did, I did. Uh, so did both of my sons and one of my daughter-in-laws, so. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. They had a big win this weekend over, uh, they, 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 over they, Navy, right? Yeah, they, yeah, they just got by Navy. Clemson was big last week. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's good to see the Irish having some, some good yeah. seasons. Yeah. Um, so this was a program, it sounds like, where you were mentored through the through the writing process, right? Right. Uh, yeah, they did. Uh, we had uh, both coaches and mentors. I'm not sure what the difference yeah. was. And I'm now serving as a mentor in it as well. Okay. Was this, yeah. is, is John Saunders, is that a name that's familiar yeah, to you? Yes, he's one okay. of the people who coached me. He's, okay. he's fabulous. No, he's, a, he's great. He's I had him on the show, um, I think, earlier this year or sometime last year. I can't remember. I've done so many of these now, but... Um, when he started telling me about the pre-sale process and, and I, so I do remember, um, I do remember that. And that, that is a great, that is a great program. Yeah. Is yeah a real and it was interesting, right. To tie it into mentoring, right. I, he ended up being the most valuable of the coaches for me. He may not be the best because, because he'd written, 
he'd written nonfiction yeah. business, right? So there were other people who were great, but they just, they were living in such a different world. You know, someone writing horror fiction might not be the best mentor for me. And I think, right, that's, sometimes we have a thought of who our mentor should be. It should be the CEO, it should be whoever. But I think you have to kind of go deep and say, what is it that I need from the person and who's the best person? To provide that it might not be someone who looks just like you or is yeah. just like you. yeah fair enough fair enough um so a few more points i want to get to before i ask you some really fun questions um i know one of the things that you um are interested in is mentoring at the gender pay gap so i was just wondering if you could speak to that a little bit sure um you know, the, the last, I think the data I have in the book is that women still make 84 cents on a dollar compared to men. Uh, those numbers are worse uh, for women of color or in any other underrepresented group. Um, and, you know, it, it starts like when you start at your career and then it builds over time, very right? just compounded interest, right? And, um, you know, we've been talking about this forever. Uh, it's not getting better. Like we, we made some progress up till 2020. And then for a lot of reasons, it got, it got worse again. Um, you know, including women opting out, um, be interesting to see what, um, how the quiet resignation, I, I haven't seen any data on mixed agendas there, but how that's going to impact as well. Um, and I just think, right, to deal with any of these issues, we need data, right? Like just, you know, like we know that, but like start drilling down. And I think this is something that mentors, women mentoring women have a unique opportunity to just like get the data, right? So that that's the 84 cents is a general number. So what is it for someone who's a product person in New York City? What's, what it, what's the data for, um, you know, a financial analyst in Chicago, right? Um, and I think we can, that's someplace where we can access our networks. I'm part of a group that, you know, that we have a, we have a Google sheet and your price of entry is you put your data anonymously, right? And women just go in and say, this is what I was making to do this job with this, these responsibilities. Because if you're going to go in and ask for more, you, you can't use the 84 cents, nor can you just say, I need more, right? You have to go in with, for this role in this place, I should be, my the data, my research indicates this is what I should be making. And I think uh, a mentor may be in a better position to get that data because they may have a better network to get the, the data from. Right. Right. Yeah, it's amazing that that data is so hard to come by um, or you really have to collect it yourself. I mean, you, you would imagine there are there would be even like an organization like Glassdoor, which publishes salaries and salary reviews right. and all that stuff. They should be able to 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 publish that, um, and, and maybe they're incented not to. I don't know. Yeah, um, and you know, and sometimes what will happen is um, on uh, sites like that, you'll get such a broad range. Like I remember looking for something. Just I was do, helping someone else do research, and it's like the range for that job is one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year to three hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, yeah. like that's you know maybe ten or twenty percent of a range, but that's like so. Which which number do I want? To, I'm going to pick the three, right? I want to pick the higher one, and you know, and I think just getting women to to ask for it, right? And okay, if it says one hundred and fifty to three, 
go for, go for the three. Like what's the worst that could happen? And I think women won't tend to do that on their own. Yeah. Well, um, I always like to get to know my guests a little bit better. One way I do that is through pop culture. So I'm curious, Michelle, uh, when you were growing up, what were some of your favorite things to watch on television? Oh, like anytime there was a, you know, peanuts thing that like, the, I'm thinking that might've been tied into the holidays. Yeah. What did I watch on television? You have to understand I'm the oldest of seven. So I rarely got to pick. Um, but, but we, you know, you know what we loved that, like the monkeys, yeah, this will date myself, the monkey, you know, the monkeys, we actually, um, we watched a lot of football. So maybe that trained me for where my life would go. And I, you know, and I think more, it was just, uh, probably less about what we watched than that we were together to do it. Um, yeah. So maybe it didn't always matter what was on, but you know. I used to love watching the monkeys. I, I thought that it was, I thought it was just a, such a fun, yeah. such a fun show. And then. I remember they pivoted at some point to, to try and break out of that sort of TV bubblegum type fake yeah. band to, to do their, and they went like in a completely different direction, which was a little bit surprising, I think. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one thing that I'm curious about is you said you're the oldest of seven. I would think that would give you the right to watch whatever you want because you're the oh. oldest. But no, huh? I, mean, I guess we had, to, well, so the, the other odd dynamic is I'm the oldest of seven. I have five brothers after me. So we probably aired on what the boys generally were interested in as opposed to what the girls were generally interested Got in. Got it. Got yeah. it. Okay. Um, what about now? Anything you'd like to watch now? I, uh, I got a new TV a couple of years ago and I still can't get network television. <laughs> uh, so I, 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 I do the binges. I like, I was very excited about, uh, the white Lotus. Um, Did you watch last night? Yeah. I thought it was the best one of the season. Uh, you know, I just uh, fin kind of behind, but did uh, call the mid midwife, which I thought was, was fabulous. So yeah. um, I'm a big reader, so I'll err towards uh, reading a book. Fair enough. Book. Fair yeah. enough. Not to give anything away on white Lotus, but people are starting to show their true colors, which yes. is fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, how about music when you were growing up? What did you like to listen to? Uh, so I remember the big thing was my parents bought me the Beatles Rubber Soul because Michelle was on it. Um, but I have been uh, an Elton John fan for quite some time. Um, my my family, we still do concerts together. So uh, I guess the most recent one we did together was the, we did Elton John over the summer. We did the Stones last year. You know, I'm a, Jer I'm a Jersey girl. Uh, and now have a granddaughter named Rosie. So I have to like, have to be a Springsteen fan. I love Bruce Springsteen. He's, he's one of the guys who I love his music. I've never seen him live. And uh, I had tickets once, but it was when I have triplets, they were very little and yeah. something happened. And I, uh, it would have been a bad decision for me to leave the house let's yeah. <laughs> um, to go to see Bruce play for 17 hours. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, he's 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 great. Um, and then Elton, he's he's packing it up, right? I mean, this is the oh, last allegedly. Allegedly, well, they, they they all say that, right? I mean, yeah, they all say that. But um, very cool. And and in terms of um, you know, I do believe that that we all have inner children inside us and inner child. Um, how, how do you believe the same thing? I mean, do you feel like you have an inner child? And if so, how do you feed your inner child? Oh, it's it's uh, music. Mm. like uh, if any opportunity to see live music i i saw keith urban a month ago because someone offered me a ticket and i wasn't i couldn't name one song that he sang but love that i've like my neighbors might not like how much i blast it um so i just yeah like i'll, I'll listen to music 
when I walk, just it's it's almost always on in my apartment. Yeah, Keith Urban is uh, he's a great guitar player. Um, he, he is fantastic. Fabulous show. I like I became a fan in an evening because you know the other thing is I think he you could see that he really cared about the audience. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like I've seen Bob Dylan, he could be singing in his like living room because there's like no. And I had, I, I have a very generous brother. I think we had second row seats, and there was like no contact with with the audience. It's it's like he's got a contempt for the audience. I think. And you know, did I have like did I want to see him once? Right, you know, it's like he's a legend. So I, you know. Oh I yeah. No. I couldn't understand the words to the songs I knew the words to. Yeah, absolutely um how about um how about this anything surprised you about the writing process for this book or the publishing process for it any any big surprises um you know i just think the the right the writing of the book was you mentioned it was easier than i expected right they gave us you know a process to follow and i sat down every like it's kind of like if they if i did what they told me to do whether i liked it or not just to do something every day um so it was the actual writing was was relatively easy for me. And, um, you know, I think the other big aha was, you know, it's like, like I said, everyone has a book in them that through the process, it's like, oh, I'm going to do this again. Because to your point, I learned so much. It's like, oh, the next one will be a much better book (laughs) because of what I like, even when I, if I like read a bit of it now for something, it's like, oh, that could have been better. Right. Um, And I think part of it is like, at some point you just do have to let go. And the deadlines really helped me because I found myself at times like, like I would change a word or a sentence back and forth like a half dozen times. It's like, they're both good enough. I need to move on. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, what's the next book going to be about? Um, I think it will be some variation of uh, mentoring and it might be a little bit uh, more targeted on like the book is sort of the first half is how to um, and best practices kind of things. And then the second goes into the topics. I think I'd like to drill down and broaden the topics. And like it's the book is pretty story rich. I'd like to actually target people specifically on, can you talk about the gender pay gap? Can you talk about advancing your career and get more stories? I think we learn best from stories. Yeah, totally agree. And Michelle, if you could go back in time and uh, deliver yourself, your younger self, a message, what... Um would you tell your younger self or, or even how would you mentor your younger self? Oh, I was just like far too serious. Like I, I obsessed about things that weren't obsessing about worth obsessing about. So it's like, don't like, don't worry whether you got like to high school and college, don't worry whether you get an A or B. I, I figured that out by business school, you know, because I didn't, I did business school in mid-career. It's like, all I need to do like it was Columbia. It's like, well, I need to do is graduate. <laughs> like I don't want to flunk out. Right. And I want to get it done on time, but like, don't obsess about one test or like one grade. And I think I did that with whether it was projects at work. Right. And and certainly I figured out by the time of the book, it's like, it just sometimes I had someone once say like, if it's sometimes good enough, it's good enough. So you have to figure out when you need to do your absolute best and when you can get away with good enough. And there are plenty of things you can get away with good enough. Well, there you go. Well, we've been talking to Michelle Ferguson. Uh, her book is called Women Mentoring Women. Michelle, where can people pick up Women Mentoring Women? Sure, you can pick it up on Amazon um, or barnesandnoble.com. And uh, the hardcover copy will be coming out within a month, which has some additional content that um, there's a chapter inspired by Taylor Swift, which is very timely. Have you ever seen her in concert? 
Oh, I have. And tomorrow morning I will be online at 10 o'clock for the pre-sale. Did you I saw her? I saw her in the pouring rain. She was fabulous. Was that at MetLife uh, the last time she toured? I was there uh, the night before, I want to say. So we missed yeah. the we missed the rain, but uh, great, great show. What a performer. What a she did, and she like did beautifully in the like she kind of I think she actually gave it more than normal because it was <laughs> the deplorable conditions. Very good. And if uh, Michelle, if people want to get in touch with you, do you have website, uh, LinkedIn, social media that you want to share? Yeah, best way to find me is on LinkedIn. I'm on there every day. Very good. I'll be sure to put your LinkedIn uh, address in the show notes, uh, along as as well as a link to the book on Amazon and uh, Barnes & Noble. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much for letting me uncork your story. Thanks, Mike. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Uncorking a Story. If you'd like more information about today's guest or to find out more about Mike, go to uncorkingastory.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in every week to hear Mike Carlin uncork a new story.